0: We are live in the Brigino Baseball Clubhouse at 67 East 11th Street in the Landmark Cast Iron Building, Greenwich Village, City of New York. We start tonight as we always do. To those of you who are here for the first time, welcome. To those who have been here before, welcome home. Tonight's book, Amazing Aaron to Zero Zippers, An Introduction to Baseball History, the publisher, Summer Game Books, the author... Matt Nadell. Please join me as we welcome to the clubhouse 16-year-old author for his first ever book event, Matt Nadell.
1: Thank you very much for having me on. I'm very excited.
0: That makes two of us.
1: All right. (laughs) It's it's
0: truly a pleasure. Thank you, Matt. Uh, I'm going to start out the way we always do, basically. And uh, if you could just tell us how the book came to be. Uh, just give us a little background on how, how this became a book.
1: Um, well, I had the idea of a book after a couple, I want to say maybe a hundred blog posts on my blog, baseballwithmatt.blogspot.com, if anyone wants to go check it out. <laughs> um, after about a couple, or no, sorry, about a hundred blog posts in, I decided I want to put my blog posts in a separate document so that eventually I can make a book out of it someday. I eventually scrapped that idea and decided, why not just make a book about baseball history for kids? Uh, it's the same theme as my blog, but this time it's in book form. So I uh, I wrote a manuscript for it in, uh, I think, May of 2012, and then I got contacted by Mr. Walter Friedman over here, who's the head publisher of Summer Game Books, and he was looking for authors, and I happened to have a manuscript, so I sent it to him. He liked it. Six months later, book was out. <laughs>
0: How old are you? I'm 16. <laughs>
2: That's
0: impressive. Thank you. That's impressive. And uh, the way the book is laid out is 26 chapters. That's yeah, an alphabet. Uh, yeah, exactly, and, which is fa- fantastic. The, the, uh, the writing, the photographs that you were able to get. How, how did you get these photographs, by the way? Uh,
1: some of them are from the Associated Press, while others are from the Hall of Fame.
0: Was that something you did or something Walt did?
1: Oh, it was a collection of both of our talents, including my dad's.
0: It's good that he's a lawyer, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, the photographs are really, for people who haven't seen it yet, it's, they're, they're stunning uh, through baseball history. Yeah. And since it is an alphabet book, A to Z, there's 26 letters, obviously. Would it have been easier if there were 10 letters in the alphabet or if there were 100 letters in the alphabet?
1: Well, I couldn't include everything in this book, but I think 26 chapters keeps the book concise and interesting. Yes, it is. Thank you. (laughs) Uh,
0: The foreword of the book, written by Jim Palmer. Yeah, Hall of Fame Orioles pitcher. Exactly. Uh, Hall of Famer. Uh, How did you get a Hall of Famer to write a foreword to this book?
1: Well, I had previously interviewed Jim Palmer after I contacted his agent, Rick Bachrach. Shout out to him. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And Hellman Barrett. And Hellman Barrett, excuse me. Uh, I got in- him. <laughs> so uh, I started talking. I started, uh, you know, getting uh, I- acquainted with Palmer. I eventually interviewed him. not only was he my first Hall of Fame interview with any Hall of Famer, but he was also my first phone interview. So it was a very exciting conversation. And to this day, I still consider it my favorite interview. So it was only right. natural for me to ask Palmer if uh, he would like to uh, to write the forward. And he was completely for it. And he wrote it. And now it's in the book.
0: It's a beautiful forward, by the way, that he wrote.
1: Yeah, I couldn't be happier with
0: it. Yeah. That. So you were 13 at the time. Is that right? Uh, how, how I would say
1: 14. 14. Yeah, I want to correct myself, actually. May 2013, I think I started... Uh, writing the book in the manuscript. Wow.
0: He didn't bring up his uh, jockey underwear ads or anything? (laughs) No.
1: Or his pancakes.
0: What pancakes?
1: You know, the the pancakes that he ate before. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Tell us about that.
1: Okay, well, Jim Palmer had the superstition, much like Wade Boggs and fried chicken, where he would eat a stack of pancakes before every game. And the reason for this was once he did this... Before, before he pitched against the Boston Red Sox And the Orioles won by I think like 17 <coughs> runs or something So ever since he started eating uh, Pancakes before every game Now note, the Orioles were not undefeated However, they were a juggernaut In the American League for his entire career
0: <laughs> the, uh, Any other guys that you came across Who had uh,
1: superstitious habits like that? Uh, yeah, I actually have a blog post about it I don't, I forget what it's called It may be called uh, Baseball at its Weirdest but, yeah, there were a couple interesting ones. Uh, Joe DiMaggio, every time he ran out to center field, he would always step on second base. Uh, one of the Alou brothers, I think it's uh, probably Moises Alou, he had this uh, uh, superstition where he would urinate on his hands before every game. Very now, gross. That picture is not
0: in the book, I believe. It's not, okay. thankfully,
1: yeah. but it's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, Wade Boggs with his chicken. Uh I think Mark McGuire had the same jockstrap since high school. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: you you've uncovered some fascinating baseball
1: history. Yeah, pretty yeah.
0: pretty fascinating. <laughs> so, I want to talk to you about. Uh, let's get on to, to, uh, to this whole history thing because okay. this uh, you this is where I'm fascinated in you. Okay. Uh, l- let me ask you this question. your are your, your buddies who like baseball. Do you have buddies who like baseball, or they're really not into it? Um,
1: no, I have some friends who like baseball. Uh, but at my last baseball practice, uh, my friend, who uh, is a huge Yankee fan, kind of just like me, uh, we were talking about the greatest closers of all time. And he had been to a couple Yankee games, and he said that in every single game that he went to, Mariano Rivera blew the game. <laughs> and apparently, according to him, that automatically makes Mariano Rivera not the greatest closer of all time. So naturally, I started screaming at him and saying, What are you talking about, you idiot? <laughs> so, yeah, my friends are baseball fans. They're not the most smart baseball fans. <laughs> but I put them in their place. All right, that's good.
0: And are any, uh, do you know people through through your blog and other, uh, who are, from my experience well two things from my experience in the clubhouse a lot of guys your age or gals your age are not that much into the history of baseball
1: Um, maybe not so my age Uh, I think at this time you start really getting into sports but uh, even so there are a lot of kids either my age older or especially younger who aren't into baseball history and you can't enjoy the present unless you know about the past because how can you be a fan of a team if you don't know how good they were in the past. One of the only reasons that I'm a Yankee fan is because they're so good and their legacy is so great. No, I'm not a winner picker because the Mets were as good as the Yankees when I chose to be a Yankee fan. So no one say otherwise.
2: Uh,
1: but yeah, it's a it's a not an epidemic, but it's it's an important thing to realize that baseball history is so rich in flavor. And to me, it's the best history out of all the sports. One, because it's the longest. Two, because, I mean, it's baseball is America's pastime. Um, but yeah, I, th- I just think it's important for people to, you know, learn the history of the game that basically shaped our nation. I, I, I completely
0: agree. And uh, for history for baseball, for anything, you, you have to know what came before. Exactly. And, and remember. And do you have buddies uh, who are into sabermetrics?
1: Um. No, I don't think my fans... Uh, not my fans. Ooh, uh, you're, sorry, f- Gordian Slip. My uh, <laughs> my friends aren't too keen on what Sabermetrics is. Personally, I like the idea of Sabermetrics. Some of the stats are a little bit, you know, like, why do you need them? But I've come to really find an appreciation for stuff like Wins Above Replacement and Jaws... Uh, it really shows how great a player is, and I think it's very interesting. And yeah, maybe uh, Mike Trout got robbed of a couple MVPs, even though he <laughs> led the league in WAR. But uh, it, it's just a, it's a new age in baseball statistics, and I would like to keep being involved in it.
0: And something I read about you this uh, this was a curveball, so to speak. Your favorite player of all time. <laughs> Uh, I read that it was... Uh, th- maybe the story was wrong, but I read that it was Mike Schmidt. It and is, I found that... I was fascinated by that because is, he he was done as a player in 1989. Yeah. And if my math is right, you were about coming out in about 1989. I was about
1: negative 10 years old. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: uh, so how, how is your favorite player somebody you never saw play? Um...
1: You know, it's just, it's just... Not only did he have a great mustache, but <laughs> he was a great power hitter. He was one of the greatest uh, power hitters of his generation. Uh, probably the best third baseman of his time, even though one can debate that George Brett was a little better. But personally, Mike Schmidt is a lot better just because more gold gloves and more home runs. His batting average wasn't too good, but George Brett's home run numbers weren't good either. Uh, but just a lot of research... I mean, I've done a lot of research on a lot of players, and just Mike Schmidt, his story, and how he, uh, how he ascended to the top and how he led Philadelphia to their first ever World Series in 1988, conveniently against George Brett's Royals. Um, it, 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 it was just so interesting, and I really like the story. And if you look at his stats, I mean, they are amazing. I think he averaged, like, per 162 games, maybe 35 home runs, and that's insane even for today. So, yeah, I just I just kind of fell in love with them, even though I live in a city where Mets fans are common. But, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. I, I, I found that fascinating. And uh, I have a good Mike Schmidt story for you now. When I, I was working for your buddy at the time, Lou Oppenheim. I uh, got
1: gotcha.
0: And I did Mike's marketing. And I took him around. We were trying to get him endorsements. And I took him around to ad agencies. And we met with this guy who ran one of the top ad agencies in New York. We had lunch. And they were playing the Mets that night. That's uh, why he was here. And he said, uh, I need to go back to the hotel now and prepare for the game. And this was, he already won three MVP awards, and he was coming towards his end as a ball player. Okay. And I said, why do you need to go, if, if you don't mind me asking, why you go? what kind of preparation do you do back at the hotel? And he said, I, I'm in the room, and I visualize every single pitch and every, situ- every potential situation that could come up in this game,
1: that's dedication.
0: Yeah, that's. I don't think there's a lot of guys who have uh, yeah. done that.
1: Uh, yeah, I didn't even know that story about him. So, yeah.
0: well, I got one for you. There. Not bad. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I want to write a book. <laughs> uh, who, who are your uh,
1: favorite players now? Uh, well, I would say thank you. I would say Jeter. <laughs> I would say Jeter, but obviously he just retired. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the guys in Arizona. I love Mark Trumbo. I love Paul Goldschmidt. Here in New York, Mark Teixeira is one of my favorites. Robinson Cano used to be one of my favorites, and then he went to Seattle. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, how do you not love him? Um, Mike Trout, Albert Pujols. Uh, I'm naming a lot of American League guys. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon. Um, the Pirates, Josh Harrison who, oh my god, what a guy but uh, uh, yeah, I just uh, a lot of guys, maybe I don't like them for their stats necessarily but just because uh, their demeanor and how they act towards the game uh, but yeah, yeah those are just some of the guys that I like I like a lot of people, but yeah uh, uh, those
0: are all, all great players Yeah. and before we uh, open it up for questions from your fans that leads me to one my last question on, before we get going with this uh, based upon the guys that you mentioned. And I want to get back to the sabermetrics things for, for a moment. I'm not a sabermetrics guy, okay? I'm, I'm, I love the history of the game, as you can probably tell from the clubhouse. Absolutely. And uh, I want to get your, your opinion on this. When a, a guy who's really into sabermetrics, for example, let's take Andrew McCutcheon. He's one of those guys who, when I watch him just run after a, a ball in the gap, it's beautiful to watch. To to me, it's just beautiful to watch. He just, he's different, you know. Yeah. Or the way, I know he's had some off the field problems, but to watch Josh Hamilton swing a bat is beautiful. Certain guys, they're just different or, you know, the way Dwight Gooden used to pitch. Yeah. Somebody who's into, really into sabermetrics from your experience, when they look at a guy, do they see Andrew McCutcheon's, what do they call the defensive thing now? Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: I'm not sure. Uh, Defensive, VR, you, yeah, VR, whatever. Right? Yeah. So, are
0: they when they're looking at that guy? Are they seeing a math mathematical formula in their head, or are they seeing a beautiful athlete do something that really barely anyone else in the world could do?
1: Well, I'm going to take myself an example as an example, just because I know what my opinion okay. is. Okay. Um, obviously, when you look at a ball player, you got to look at the stats. You got to determine if he's an all-star, if he's MVP caliber, uh, and just if he if he knows how to play the game. That's first off. So that's just raw stats. That's home runs, RBIs, batting average, hits, stuff like that. Errors, fielders, assists. Um, and then I would I would definitely look at WAR and defensive WAR and JAWS. And uh, if you're talking about a pitcher, walks plus hits per inning. Um, yeah, and uh, that would uh, because you can't really judge a player just because just on raw stats because you know guys who played short times in their career like Hank Greenberg and Joe DiMaggio for example if they played longer they would have been one of the greatest of all time but considering I think Hank Greenberg only played like nine years and Joe DiMaggio played thirteen their their uh, their stats aren't as you know bumped as like guys like Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig but. Uh, sabermetrics, uh, there's there's a lot of averaging out. So like, a lot of average WAR per season, for example. Uh, WAR uh, war uh, per a uh, the best seven year stretch. That's that's Jaws. Um, so I would look at that because I want to judge a player compared to everyone else on the same time as the same, for example, seven year span. Uh, And then, of course, I I would have to look at how great he does on the field. Because, I mean, like you said, Andrew McCutcheon, he's he's great at fielding. And his swing is majestic. Yeah. So, all those factors go in, but uh, ultimately, to me, if you're in the Hall of Fame, you're a great player. It's as simple as that. Of course, current players are not in the Hall of Fame, so I can't determine that yet. But I can tell you that there are a couple players right now who I named previously who, as long as they keep it up, they will definitely be in the Hall of Fame. So that's how I a player.
3: Who do
0: you think is the greatest player of all time?
1: Greatest player, greatest hitter, or greatest pitcher?
0: Greatest ball player.
1: Well, i got to go with Babe Ruth. Because he was one of the greatest pitchers before he switched over to, uh, I think it was either left or right field. Either way, before he switched onto the outfield, and he's probably the greatest slugger of all time. I mean, Hank Aaron, yes, but Babe Ruth played with such great pitching. He demolished Walter Johnson, who, I think, I think Babe Ruth batted, I want to say, in the 400s against the guy with the second most wins in all of baseball history, and he didn't face Cy Young at all, but... Uh, and then Barry Bonds with the steroids, so that's a topic on its own, but uh, I guess guys uh, that could give Ruth a run for their money, Ted Williams definitely, Lou Gehrig, uh, Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio, sorry I'm being a little Yankee biased, (laughs) but uh, I noticed. Yeah, pitchers definitely Cy Young, Walter Johnson, uh, Christy Mathewson, but to me, Ruth changed the game of baseball, because without him, the dead ball era would probably not still be going on, but... It would have lasted a long time, so that eliminates the amount of home runs for a lot of great primary sluggers like Lou Gehrig and Jack, uh, not Jackie Robinson, who, uh, Jimmy Fox. Uh, but uh, also just because Babe Ruth, he was revolutionary socially. He was uh, he had some off the field problems with of course weight and smoking, but he was so great at hanging out with kids, and that's what I try to do. I try to I write for kids. So I don't want to be like Babe Ruth in every single way. I don't. I'm not. Smo- I don't want to smoke. I'm probably not going to drink, and you know, not going to get fat. <laughs> but uh, when it comes, <laughs> when it comes to him and just his pure personality towards kids, that's what I strive for.
0: Well, that's a great note to open it up to uh, your fans here. So, who
1: yes of the new pace of game rule? Uh, I'm all for making the game faster, because that's one of the problems uh, of the game today, how it's it's very slow. Uh, and actually, when I went to a, a spring training game very recently, I think, yeah, it was last weekend, uh, it was the first time that I've ever seen a uh, clock on the scoreboard that counted down from, I think it was two and a half minutes until, of course, zero in between innings. And that's just one of the many steps that I think the new commissioner, Rob Manfred, is going to take in his new reign as commissioner. Because, look, Bud Selig was a great commissioner, but the new the new era that baseball is moving into is going to result in a lot of changes, and a lot of changes are going to be good.
0: What did you think when you saw the clock? How did it feel?
1: I was surprised at first, but then I was like, it, "It's it's pretty smart. It's it's not a it's not it's definitely not a dumb move, uh, but yeah, I, I was shocked because I was thinking, wow, baseball is really changing. It's it's transitioning into the modern period of sports, and I'm not I'm not talking about popularity or ads or stuff. I'm talking about just the pure sport. For example, the NFL is changing its domestic uh, abuse policy just because of the issues that the NFL is having. Uh, And baseball needs to change some of their rules too Involving the game being (coughs) slow And there are a couple other changes that Manfred has uh, proposed For example, uh, altering the size of the mound uh, uh, Eliminating defensive shifts Which I find very interesting Because Mark Desheret loses so many hits because of defensive shifts Uh, But I think Manfred is going to move the game into the right direction And I hope that From the three and a half hours a game lasts now, through the changes that happen, the game will be decreased slowly and slowly until its standard time and duration back in the day of, I don't know, maybe two and a half hours. This way more fans can be attentive and involved with the game. And that's the ultimate goal of baseball.
0: Have you now? You've interviewed uh, Rob Manfred. I
1: have, and I've also interviewed Commissioner Seelig. I'll be talking to Manfred. Actually, uh, I think April twenty eighth is the date, and I'm going to raise some pressing issues that baseball has right now. And uh, I think he's already working on fixing some of these issues. And I just hope he continues.
0: What What do you What else are you going to bring up with him?
1: I uh, just. Uh, just
0: you're not going to talk about Pete Rose or anything.
1: No, I'm not. I don't think so. I mean, if it comes up in conversation, maybe. <laughs> but personally, I think Rose will get in after he passes away. I agree. Um, but yeah, I hope to raise some issues that the game has, even outside of it of the game being slow. You know how how the game treats kids, how the game can get more involved with the younger crowd. Uh, I have a lot of great ideas that I hope uh, Commissioner Manfred will listen to and take into consideration when he makes all these new uh, rule changes. But we'll just have to wait and see. So for now, I'm just excited for how the game is moving. Excellent.
3: So I'm fascinated by the fact that you said you're 16? Yeah. So (laughs) more than anything, it's the fact that you're this age and you're this into baseball. It's not something that a lot of kids are really into these days. kind of bummed me out. And I mean, most of the time when I'm at the clubhouse, I'm, I'm among the youngest guys that are that are, that is in here. I'm not that young. Uh, I, I think that when I was a kid, we didn't have on the internet when I was when I was you know, your age and younger, and we had baseball cards. That was our black market basically. That's what we used to trade stuff for. That's what I even mean, kids were into baseball. We all dug baseball cards. I mean, do you think right now? you guys have access to more information than I could have ever imagined when I was your age, but I feel like you guys aren't really taking advantage of it, and it seems like without something like baseball cards or something like that to just kind of trade with your friends or engage your friends in games or whatever, it, I don't know, I mean, do you think that would be something that would help your generation get more
1: involved in sport? Absolutely. I would, uh, that's, pro- that's probably one of the main reasons that I started the blog, because technology is so big in this day and age, so it's very uh, important to get Uh, My thoughts and opinions out on technology so people can view it because ultimately, computers, iPhones, tablets, that's the only way that people are viewing news these days. Yeah, newspapers (coughs) still exist, but we're going into the, we're uh, transitioning into the technological age, not just as a baseball community, but as a nation. The United States, it's taken a big leap into technology. So I would definitely agree that that getting a you know, blogs, for example, my blog. Uh, it It's supposed to help kids get more involved in the game. I hope that it's getting more kids involved in the game. Uh, and to comment on what you said about games, that's one of the things that I want to comment to uh, Commissioner Manfred. Uh, because video games, it's one of my favorite things to do when I don't have anything to do, and I have spare time. So uh, if you can create a game that triggers to the younger crowd, I would say maybe seven to nine year olds, because that's when people really start, you know, uh, getting their allegiances together with their sports, uh, then that'll just help the fan base of baseball grow. Um, I don't
3: know if video game will be the, the show. Is that something that kids are age play or is that too and will
1: be the show I play on Will Be the Show, I love the game, but it's just too advanced. For me it's advanced. I mean there are a lot of controls in that game that even I don't understand. So a simple game for example on an iPhone or an iPad, uh, just like you know, just learning stats, learning the history of the game, it's gonna help. It really is.
0: It. We have a little uh, Orioles fan here. How old are you? Seven. Seven. Who's your favorite player?
2: <laughs> yeah, all the time. I say Calipin, Jr.
0: Now, you guys are picking good ones. Good choice. Wow. Okay. It's your turn for a question. What's your so, question? Um,
2: From years of doing that, you get
1: to know the players, and then when they up in the big leagues, like following them. Yeah, the minor leagues are are great are a great way to uh, to see a player's progression. Uh, you said you played catcher. We were talking about bef- this before, yeah. right? Yeah. Who's better, Johnny Bench or Yogi Berra? Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Wrong
0: answer, but good. No, no <laughs> the... You know who Johnny played for?
3: You don't know who he played for? What? Nine of Books for Cincinnati. Yes! Hey.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah, I have a prize for you after. He, he you can hold have, his own. Yeah? Yeah.
3: Um, yeah? Well, first time that again, there's a lot of irony in the question you we want to ask. It's the same question after 15 years. Months ago, um, how would you how would you say to an, like another aspiring blogger or someone that wants to do something like writing about baseball or a passion? that might not can be baseball. What would you say to them to, 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 to like basically get off, get off the get jumping the and just like try like new things, like maybe blogging or something like that?
1: Uh, well, I started blogging just because I wanted to. I had a passion for it. So if you wanna if you wanna get your word out about any topic, rather than sports, rather than baseball, rather than baseball history, you have to be passionate about it. Because if you're not passionate about it, then how will you have the drive to keep out, to keep on putting out content? It's very important because I've loved baseball history for basically the last half of my life. So, and I'm I'm just trying to calculate how long, but And the only reason that I I keep on blogging about it is because I love it so much. So unless you don't really love what you're talking about, and this goes just beyond blogging, even a job, if you don't love your job, then how can you do it well? So if you want to get off your feet and if you want to go ahead and start blogging, do it about something you're passionate about. Because otherwise, you're not going to be able to keep on putting out content.
3: And Matt, doesn't it help to have a supportive father? <laughs> yes, yes, Amen. who loves his job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. right. so. There's been way too much Yankee love in this room. We need some Met love a little bit. <laughs> yeah. okay. so Amen. I just, I would love your opinion on where the '86 Mets stack up against mm-hmm. the other World Series champions of this century.
1: Well, let me ask you a question. <laughs> <laughs> my dad and I were talking about this. What was the main reason that the Mets got to, to the World Series? No. The main,
3: oh, um. Was it
1: their pitching or their hitting? What
3: was the main reason? What? Oh, the made the, what's the main reason the Mets made the 86
1: Series? Combination. Yeah, it's got to be a combination. No, you got to pick one. <laughs> no, because it's not true. You gotta pick How one. You have to crazy. pick one. You have to pick one. I have to settle this argument.
3: I would own. probably say pitching.
1: Ha! <laughs> I would say
2: is pitching.
3: <laughs> <fun>.
1: <laughs> Either way. Now let me answer your question. The '86 Mets were one of the greatest teams of all time, and that's coming from a Yankee fan. Uh, they won, I think, 108 games, and it was because they had they had a great pitching staff. I mean, you got Dwight Gooden, Ron Darling, Sid Fernandez.
2: I'm uh, no, saying well, I,
1: I, I starting guys. but and I mean, look, the Buckner moment—that's like my favorite of all time. Because <laughs> I, I don't hate the Red Sox just because I have to be impartial. But when I, every time I watch that moment, a smile hops on my face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the '86 Mets. They could stack up against any team. I will admit it because their 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 ability to pitch and hit. Yeah, their their hitting was great, but their pitching was so good. They could stack up against anyone from the nineteen twenty seven Yankees to the Big Red Machine to the A's of that same time to the Yankees of the fifties. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't consider them the best World Series team of all time. That that goes to the ninety eight Yankees. But uh, I would say that the Mets. Those, those teams are one of the greatest.
3: Models. So, my favorite questions from when I was young enough to go to bars and hang out <laughs> uh, one pitcher, one game to win. Who do you choose?
1: Ooh, that's a tough one.
3: I have a follow up to it also, but we'll start one with one
1: pitcher, one game.
3: I'm a Mets fan, and I would not Playoffs say that. or non-playoffs. Game seven. You know, one game or you got it. You know, game seven. Or your the old days before we had 17 playoff teams, and you had a win to get in. Um.
1: Sandy Koufax.
3: <laughs> Who, are Who are you? That's where I was going. I always like Bob Gibson. Yeah.
1: I would say Bob Gibson is up there, but Koufax over that Four year stretch, I think, from like 61 to 65. Gibson's intensity in games that matter. Either way, my
3: follow up question. So, So my other great question one moment in baseball you could have been at?
1: Well, I mean, Wilson and Buckner, that's one that is close to home. (laughs) But uh, another, probably my favorite homer of all time was Joe Carter's homer to win the 93 World Series. One, because the Sky Dome is beautiful. Uh, Rogers Center is great, and just c- Canadian fans—they uh, don't—they don't have. The, hold on, no, I have a point. They don't have. <laughs> Ever since they lost the team in Montreal, everyone's rooting for Toronto. And back then, Montreal wasn't as good. Yeah, they almost won the 1994 90- World Series, but Toronto was the main team. They had won the World Series before that. They were a juggernaut of a team. Uh, Joe Carter, when he hit the home run. Ricky Henderson and Paul Mahler, both Hall of Famers now, were on base. It's a magical time in baseball. It
3: was against the Phillies.
1: It was against the <laughs> Phillies, of course, and Wild Thing. But, uh, yeah, and it was one of the last great baseball moments before the movie force <coughs> strike. Right. And, I, I mean, I haven't been to a walk-off World Series winning home run just because the other one was 1960. So that was against the Yankees, so I wouldn't want to go to that (laughs) one anyway. But, yeah, that's probably the one that I would want to go to the most.
2: The steroid era. Okay. Uh, There's a big controversy in terms of the players, whether they really match up. But then you have the 1994 season where there was a strike. But Seelig, who is not my favorite, um thought this is my just an opinion that fans are not gonna come back unless something is done to bring them back into the ball fields, to the ballpark. All of a sudden Randy Villotti becomes initially a man, gets muscles beyond belief, and everybody ignores this. Sammy Sosa and and McGuire. Now the Cubs were horrible, right? But everyone went to see Sammy Sosa, both in, in Chicago and on the road. They went to see Sammy and, and McGuire baffle it out, and, you know, then Bonds came in and he won with 70 odd homers. My, my question to you do you really think that the baseball executives were so much against steroids? Knowing that there would be a possibility that the fans would not come back after the 1994 strike.
1: That's a very interesting question, and I never thought of it that way. Um, I would say that ultimately they have to, be because uh, the steroid era—it's not the greatest era in baseball history—and it's certainly taken a lot of a lot of scrutinizing from fans so
2: the that's my opinion he permitted
0: this Matt, we're just running a little short on not time been. with the podcast not yeah if we could just get to the any questions we have a lot of people from that
2: so, so my question what I think from baseball is that the World Series is just not relevant to the general population because I thought last World Series was fantastic in its own weird way but other than hardcore baseball fans was not one talked about. What do you think, well, maybe
1: it's a question to ask the commissioner,
2: what does he mm-hmm. think? How do you make it
1: more relevant? Well, I want to mention the matchup, first of all, because, are, are you referencing uh, San Francisco KC uh, yeah. as last year? Yeah. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> um, the matchup was pretty obscure because both teams, they were wildcard teams, first of all, and the only people who cared really about Kansas City was people from Kansas City. San Francisco has been to the uh, Super Bowl, right? World Series,
2: See? 305 <laughs> years.
1: So the matchup itself wasn't too great. Had the Cardinals been in it, that would have been a little different. Because every, not everyone, a lot of people in the Midwest love the Cardinals rather than the Royals. And if the Royals and the Cardinals faced off the, uh, against each other, that's a rematch of the 1985 World Series. Where the, Roy, uh, where the Cardinals uh, got cheated out of the World Series because of Don Beckinger's bad call at first space on Roy Orton's grounder. So that would have been a very exciting series. Yeah, San Francisco against uh, Kansas City was absolutely amazing. I loved it personally. Um, but I think the only reason that, one of the only reasons that the World Series just in general isn't as big right now is because of the other championships. The Stanley Cup is big, the NBA Finals is big, the World Cup is big, and of course the Super Bowl. So the the World Series needs to step up in not just advertising, but ultimately you have to start from the ground up. And that's what I'm trying to do with my blog. (coughs) If I get fans involved in the games at the age of seven, then in the next 20 years, they'll be watching every single World Series until they die. That's what my plan is, and that's what I hope everyone does. That they start the game early so they can get involved. Exactly. I went. To, I went to your.
2: Oh, it was a nightmare for me. I'm a Red Sox fan, but I went to, uh-huh. to a game. Oh. Um, I never. I, now I can watch it. I could not watch it to a Red Sox games. <laughs> <wild world series. laughs> yeah. yeah. Any other?
0: Uh, any other? Yes.
3: Matt, you're a very impressive young man. Besides being the uh, next commissioner
1: of baseball, <laughs> <laughs> what do you aspire to do with a future Um, Well, I want to be a broadcaster. Okay. And not a... Uh, I don't know if I want to be a play-by-play just yet. Maybe I want to be the next uh, Greg singer on MLB Network. But ultimately, I want to stay involved in the game of baseball. <laughs> Whether it be being the next baseball commissioner, I don't know. But I hope... I hope to always advocate for the game. I hope to always advocate for the game, and I hope to always be involved with sports in general.
0: Uh, before we sign off, any other any, any questions from anyone else? Right, Matt, I just want to say a couple things in closing. Right. Uh, first... Every day we keep MLB Network on in here, unless there's a Yankee or Met game. Uh, so all, obviously all off we only have MLB Network. Believe me, you, you should be on MLB Network already. <laughs> <laughs> I was. <laughs> from what I've seen. No, you should have your own show. You would be an upgrade. You could tell them that. Uh, the uh, When your dad first contacted me about this event, this is a little life lesson for you. When your dad first contacted me about this event, uh, I, to be honest, I was hesitant because I thought, I don't think anybody's going to show up for this. So that shows you what I know. But that's part of the life lesson. The other part of the life lesson is at least I decided to go ahead with it. So, uh, And then the last thing I want to tell you is when you do finally win, when you win your first, and this is a guarantee, when you win your first Emmy or a Pulitzer Prize or Ford Frick Award or Ford Frick Award. Uh, signed letter by Ford Frick on the wall. Oh. Uh, just don't forget that your first ever book event was in the. <laughs> of I
1: will never forget this. This has been a wonderful time. Uh, thank you very much. The book again for all those listening. Amazing Aaron to Zero
0: Zippers by Summer Game Books. The author Matt Nadell. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you,